Welcome to the workshop, The Three Maths of Relationships, My Business, Your Business, God's, and God's Business. My name is Jody, and I'm a compulsive overeater and, and the moderator for this session. Uh, before we begin, please turn off your cell phones and your pagers. Um, this workshop is being taped. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, ask it basket circulated for you to write any questions you may have for the speakers. Please specify whom your question is for. The reading is from Voices of Recovery and it's May 7th. Live and let live, program slogan. I was sitting at my sewing machine trying to get, get it to do a different stitch. The only stitch the sewing machine would do was the hemming stitch. I changed levers and pushed buttons, but the results were the same. The thought then came to me, no matter how I try to change others, they have their own uniqueness. If they need to change, God will do the changing. Showing love and respect for others as they make decisions in their life's journey leaves me free to make better choices in living my own life. My relationships will improve if I can love myself enough to let other people be responsible for their decisions. Live and let live will free me from the compulsion to criticize, judge, condemn, and retaliate. Only then can I focus on the useful things in my life. Our first speaker is Sherry from Belmont, who will speak for 25 minutes. Hi, I'm Sherry, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I started program in December of 1984, and that was 20 and a half years ago. I've never left. And I actually started down in this area. Um, I was going to have meetings in this area with some of you that are sitting in the room, as well as Orange County. I moved in 91 up north to Belmont, which is near San Francisco area, and continued working the program there. And um, I uh, have a 55-pound weight loss, and I did not get to uh, that goal weight until, I guess, six years ago. It took that long. But for six years, I have maintained uh, that weight loss. And um, when I came in program, I was 39, and um, I, I really feel like I grew up in program. I know that was kind of late in life to start growing up, but really, these last 20 years have been the best years of my life, and it's where I've really grown up. And... Um, Relationships is a good topic for me to share on because they were unmanageable when I came in. I mean, I was in touch with my food, being unmanageable, but as I grew to learn what a healthy relationship was, I realized that was part of the reason why my life was unmanageable, my relationships. I want to talk about some of them and um, what they were like before program and what they're like now and how they changed. Uh, my mother was one of my primary relationships, and, um, you know, even though I loved her, I, uh, I, I didn't treat her respectfully. Uh, you know, what was just read about your business and my business, you know, I did not mind my own business. I didn't have a concept of what was my own business. I mean, everything was my business, I felt, and I did always tell her, you know, I was very critical of her. Um, she had a uh, she had and has a codependent relationship with my sister. She's an enabler, and it drove me crazy. And I was always criticizing her and telling her, you know, what she should do and um, how she should live, and um, you know, and not in a pleasant tone. I mean, sort of many times in a yelling voice, almost. And uh, it, that was, you know, more or less how it was when I came in. 
And then, of course, doing the fourth step, you know, I realized this was not appropriate behavior. Uh, and, and live and let live was the, the slogan. It was like a flashing neon light when I first saw it, you know, that came at me about your mother, you know, live and let live. So doing um, the sixth and seventh step with care of the defects and then, you know, realizing that that's where they were aimed at, my mother, and then making amends for steps eight and nine, that was the beginning. Um, it took a long time. I mean, this didn't happen overnight, but, you know, one day at a time, baby steps, I, I turned that behavior around. And uh, working with my sponsor, of course, I when she would come, when my mother would come visit me, I would actually make a list of do's and don'ts, and I would keep it nearby me because I would forget. You know, this is what you don't do when your mother's here. This is what you do. And then I would have to run to the bathroom by the third day and call my sponsor because she'd be driving me crazy by then. And, you know, she didn't do anything that terrible. She really didn't. Um, she, I didn't like the way she talked to me. My mother's got a very sweet, passive-aggressive manner sometimes. And I hated it, you know. I, um, but, I mean, it wasn't any reason why I should be so intolerant and, and impatient. That was my character defect. So I'd go to the bathroom, make a secret call to my sponsor, and then, you know, get better about it. And then, um, but little by little. And then I replaced the negative behaviors with the positive ones. Like, there were a million things to remember that we'd had good times over and things she's given me and laughter we shared and all the great things she's given me. And I just, little by little, would think about those instead and tell her about them. You know, we talk about them. She lives in Arizona. Um, so we talk by phone once a week. We have a one-hour call appointment once a week, and we talk. And I make sure that call now is, um, you know, I never know when it's going to be the last one. My mother's 81 years old. And, uh, and, and one thing I told her, you know, I said, no matter what I ever said, you know, I, I always was secure that you loved me. I've always been secure in the knowledge of my mother's love. And that is so important, I've learned, sitting in these rooms. And I'm grateful for that, and, you know, I'm blessed by that, and I told her that. So I'm, I'm glad I've mended all that because, you know, like I said, she's 81 years old, and you never know. Um, I was going to talk about work relationships a little bit next. I was a teacher for 33 years. I had been retired for three years. Um, and it's, it's a good thing I was a good teacher because I'm telling you, my, the way I handle people always, I'm surprised I didn't lose my job. I taught special ed. Maybe I was protected by that. I don't know. I, I taught kids with learning disabilities, and I was good to the kids. But, he, you know, when difficult, I, I just, you know, I'd have a resentment at work against a person. I'd hold on to it. I wouldn't let it go. And I'd act it out. And, um, same with difficult parents. Every so often, a difficult parent would come along, and all the other teachers would just kind of, you know, be real nice to them, you know, just try to make it nice, don't make waves. And I would just go right up against a difficult parent. And um, and I had one, you know, real good memory of um, of, of where my behavior led once. Um, I, um, I, I was teaching up at a place, a residential treatment center. The kids lived in cottages, so it was a tough class. They, um, and they were in the classroom, and if any of them got too tough, we could send them back to their cottages, which they often did. We had an intercom, and it went through that. Secretary handled the, the, the business. She was in another little, you know, office, and she worked for us, and she's just a nice person. But I took out all my frustrations on her. You know, if one of the kids were fighting or horrible, I would just scream into the intercom, you know, get that house parent up here and get this kid out of here, something like that. And um, 
she had nothing to do with it, you know, but I, that was just where I vented. And I could get away with it, I thought. And that she evidently told some of the other teachers. There were about five other teachers up there. We taught in a small group. And I really respected these five other teachers, and I was even in awe of a couple of them. And I got along with them. So she told them what I was doing. One of them was actually in the office and heard me one day, and they took me aside and said, she's going to quit because of you. So your job is to make sure she doesn't quit. Because if she quits, you know, they're not going to be happy with me. So I guess that was, uh, I was, this was before program, of course. But I, that was sort of, that was where I made one of the few amends of my life before program. I went in there and I really apologized profusely. And I, you know, and I, and I told her the truth, you know, exactly what I was doing. And I was later complimented by a teacher that that was a lovely apology. I did a really good job on that. But, you know, the, the, the point is, is that if I guess I could take advantage of someone who was, you know, like that in that position, I did. So, I, I, after I got in program, you know, I learned the 12 step, practice your, practice these principles in all your affairs, work too. And uh, I never had problems with coworkers anymore. I, I really didn't. I, I became very well, you know, liked by administration, coworkers. I never had any other problems. I would, I mean, have a resentment now and then about a, another teacher or a parent, and my sponsor just had me do a written 10 step and uh, see my part in it. Always I have a part in it. And then what I could possibly change so that maybe the relationship could change or at least how to accept it. So that's, that was a definite turnaround for me. I want to just talk about friends a little, like female friends before the program. Uh, I had a lot of friends, I thought, and I was very social, but, you know, they didn't really know me. I, I, I don't think I really knew me at that time before program. And um, and I was I was needy. I was very possessive of them. I wanted to be. I wanted them to. I wanted them to think of me as their best friend, you know. And 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 it was just you know very needy, immature, possessive kind of relationships I had with them. And um, once I got and and I never minded my own business again. I I thought everything was my business, and I was easily threatened uh, if they had to see things the way I did or I thought somehow the relationship would split apart. Like even if they didn't agree on a, a, a movie, if they saw movies in a different way, you know, I, I was threatened. I thought, oh, we can't have a relationship and I would just argue so that we could possibly agree. And once I got in program, my relationships really changed. Most of my friends now are in program and there are several that aren't, but they're also in their own kind of uh, a recovery path. And uh, my relationships are a lot more interesting now and, and uh, fulfilling. I, I don't, you know, I, I still like people to agree. I mean, it is fun to, to, to talk about how much you agree with something, but I, I'm not threatened by um, disagreeing. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. I mean, I can actually sit there and say, you know, it's really interesting that you see that that way. You know, how did you come to that or whatever? And I actually find it not threatening but interesting. Um, I think one of the ways that uh, the friendships changed so much was the character defects, you know, just getting in touch with those and, um, you know, not, and, and I'm a better friend. I mean, I don't want to be friends with someone who is not at all wanting to work on their character defects or ever make amends, so, you know, that's the kind of friend I am now. I, I want to talk about men before program 
and, and, and how that changed. I was single at 39 when I came in. Uh, I'd had a quick one-year marriage very early on, but I had been single since then. And I was very attracted to, um, to more or less bad men who weren't loving. And um, they weren't, you know, they weren't loving men, and so therefore I was unloved and unhappy, but I kept chasing after these men. And uh, even when I find a decent one, you know, each one got better each year, and then when I hit a decent one even, you know, I just wanted all my needs fulfilled, and I wanted them just to, you know, fill all my insecurities and just, you know, make everything right. And, of course, they couldn't do that. I'd be angry um, when they couldn't do that for me, and I, I, you know, they'd run away. I'd chase them away. And uh, two and a half years into the program, I did meet my husband. I, he wasn't, he's not in program, but that, you know, two and a half years of working on this with sponsors, I, I did meet him. And uh, he's a good man, not boring, good man. And, um, but, you know, it did take long. It took about a year before, um, you know, the problem started because, again, I, not even a year, but I expected him to, um, I, I, well, I turned everything into anger. You know, again, I expected him to fulfill everything and, you know, take away all my problems, and, um, and if I was possessive or, say, jealous of his daughter or, or even, you know, afraid about something, it didn't matter what, I changed everything to anger. That was my comfortable emotion. And he told me, I'm not going to live with an angry woman. So, and, um, and, and, and I had a, also another pattern I learned as a child. Uh, I, I don't know where, why I picked it up, but it worked, so that's why I probably continued it. And that's if something, if I was mad about something, uh, didn't communicate what made me mad, but sulked. Uh, didn't talk to the person, just totally sulked and expected them to draw me out. They should know why I'm angry. Of course they knew why I was angry, and they would draw it out of me. And I would wait for that. And it probably worked with my mother and, you know, tried it with girlfriends former boyfriends, it did not work with my husband. Um, you know, he's a healthy uh, human being. He said, I have no idea why you're angry if you don't tell me. And, you know, and I had to actually learn how to do that. And, um, and, and, and I, 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 I did it with a sponsor, too. And I'll tell you, it was shocking to me, but it was scarier to tell her that she had made me angry about something she said than it was just, it, it, that was scary to me. It was easier for me just to be angry. That was easier. Hold it in. Be angry. That was easier. For some reason, I was scared to tell her why I was angry. Because then, you know, I don't know. What would what, what she say and all that? But, I, you know, but it, 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 it's always worked real well doing that. And I actually learned how to communicate in this program with the beginning of the relationship with my husband. I want to talk about the relationship with myself, an important one. Like I said, I didn't know myself before I came in program. Um, I wasn't really in touch with, with what I liked, what I wanted to do with anything. I thought I was. Uh, I, I didn't even know what my tastes were. My first apartment, when I moved out, I had my mother decorated. She had good taste. I didn't care. I, I wasn't even going to work hard to figure out what my tastes were. Um, and, and what I like to do, you know, so much of it was around food. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize this until I, you know, got a food plan and stopped that eating. But I really didn't like a lot of activities that I thought I liked. They were about the food. So then I had to rediscover what did I really like to do. 
And, um, and a lot, you know, was changed when the moods went away. I used to, you know, my, my mood that day was based on, you know, if I had eaten, you know, if I weighed a lot on the scale, the self-hatred. Possibly it was a diet day, you know, before program, and I was depriving myself. I had no good food to eat that day, and, you know, I was mean. And, and so that was, you know, my moods. And then once I got on a food plan and got abstinent, you know, life got, you know, a little bit more sane around that, and I wasn't moody. So I was able to really get the clarity after abstinence and understand who I was, what I liked, what I valued. And so that's what it took. Really, that, that was it. That's how I learned how to, um, to know myself. Um, sponsor and sponsoring, I think, is like the most wonderful place to develop relationship skills. And I've had the same sponsor now for seven years. I've chosen different sponsors according to my recovery, what I needed, what I thought I needed and wanted. But I, now I've had a real mature relationship for the last seven years with a, with a sponsor who really knows me. And her job, I, I always say, is to keep me out of denial. And, and she's loving, but, you know, she, um, she, she will remind me, you know, and it's possibly a character defect that's come back, and, you know, I'm just in denial. So, and that's real important, because if I'm not aware of them, I can't work on them, and, um, you know, like I said, nobody wants to be friends with a person like that. And sponsoring has been the most valuable thing to me, I think, of any of the things I've said for being relationships. And um, I, I definitely crossed the line in the beginning of sponsoring. I mean, everything was my business. When I sponsored people, I felt I, my, I could say anything about anything to do with their life, and I could tell them what to do. And, and so obviously, I did not mind my own business. And I've come a long way with that. Um, people seem to like having me be their sponsor today. I, uh, I have learned um, from my sponsor. She taught me, you know, you, you don't tell them that they should leave their husbands. You don't tell them, <laughs> you know, how to raise their children. And, um, you know, you, you, you listen. You listen, and if um, – I don't mean just listen. I, I do a lot of talking on the phone. But, but you listen to, see, to hear. What, what are you hearing? Are you hearing a character defect come back? Gently remind them. I, you know, help them with their issues. Don't tell them how to run their lives, but help them with their issues by using the program. What step can they use for that? What tool can they use for that? And, um, uh, and, I, and I have to – um, I have clear boundaries, too, on what is my business in sponsoring. I use the uh, How Concept part of the program. That's a focus group in OA for those that don't know. And it's a very structured way of sponsoring. And so right up front when someone asks me to sponsor them, I, I tell them what my requirements are. And, um, you know, if, if, they, if, if that's not what they want, then, of course, they're free to find someone else to sponsor them. But that's how, you know, I do get my business taken care of because that would be the comfortable way that I want to sponsor. Um, and uh, I've got, you know, just two left, two relationships I want to talk about. One, um, this might sound kind of strange, but, you know, another place I learned a whole lot and one of the best relationships I had were with my cats, my kitty cats. I had two cats one year before I came into program, and I, I just, you know, I want to kind of honor them. They've been gone for three years now. They lived 18 years, and one died shortly after the other, and I've been without them for three years. 
And, and that's been one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with. But I was never angry at them for one day, one moment in 18 years. And the reason why is because I learned what it meant to, to love unconditionally. If they did anything that I didn't like, like, you know, rip up, you know, a sofa or the rug, I mean, that's what cats do. You know, that wasn't malicious. They don't have anything in their head to be mean to you. That's what cats do. And, and so I could look at it like that. Oh, I wish I could look at people and just, you know, say that. That's, that's what men do. That's what children do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people do, but I could do that with them, and I loved them unconditionally, um, you know, and I treated them that way without anger every day for 18 years, and uh, and, and I, I think I really learned what love was, pure love with them. I mean, yes, I've loved my mother, I've, you know, but with so, such judgment, you know, like I, I've never loved in that way without, you know, total judgment or having to work... I've never loved without having to work hard. <laughs> this was such an easy love that I, I, I just, I wanted to share that. And it was a wonderful relationship. Um, and the last, I keep looking at my watch, I've got a timer here. The last um, uh, relationship I want to talk about is, you know, possibly one of the most important in our program, too, is higher power. And I had none when I came in. I was raised in a Jewish home. Um, the, the, it was very Jewish, but, but not religious. I really didn't get much religious training. And um, uh, there was no God talk, and there was really no spirituality either. And, um, and, and I figured out by the time I was in high school that I, by the time I graduated from high school, that I was an atheist. You know, I, I, I really didn't believe in God. And I, so, and as far as the higher power goes, I probably had made my mother a higher power for many years. She had all the answers. I looked up to her. I probably progressed from her to um, some female friends, ones with great wisdom. I had one, I remember, who was a therapist. She became my higher power. She wasn't my therapist, but, you know, she had great wisdom, I figured. And others that just seemed to know how to do things, they were my higher power. Um, boyfriends, you know, the good ones, I made them higher power. But, um, but, and then I finally progressed to the point when I came into the program, at that point, I was my higher power, and I was self-reliant, and I was independent. I did not have a crutch, and um, I did not, um, you know, believe in any power greater than myself. So when I came in, I know that you have to have a power greater than yourself, at least. So, um, you, you know, I did, and I created my own. And in a way, I feel like I've been lucky, you know. Sometimes I do listen to people, and they struggle so much with um, maybe the, the God or the higher power of their childhood, and they're in conflict with it, and they have to think of a new one now that will work, and they struggle with that. I think I was really lucky. I just made up my own, and I have nothing to conflict with to go back to. Um, so, you know, and I, and I, I created a higher power that's totally... Uh, you know, unconditional, and and my higher power is totally accepting of me and, and wants the best for me and totally uh, accepts me in that unconditional way. And um, and I keep in touch with my higher power, mostly through gratitude throughout the day. Like, anything goes really well. 
like, um, when this is over, I'm going to be really happy because cause it's over. And, um, you know, and just anything, anything. I mean, you know, a lot of little things bug me. So when a lot of little things go well, I'm just grateful. And I, I stay in touch all day long. Oh, thank you, thank you, you know, or this or that. And I do, you know, pray and ask for what I want and what I think I need. And I'm, I know that's my business. And then I know, though, that God's business is different. And that's, I end the prayer by always saying, but, you know, just pray for acceptance of what I get. And, and that's God's business. And so that's how I differentiate that. But, um, but, but it, it's, it's a real easy, positive relationship. And, um, and it works, so what could be better than that? So uh, I'll just end a couple minutes early, and uh, glad I got the opportunity to share on relationships today, and thanks for listening. Thank you, Sherry. That was wonderful. Our next speaker is Kath, and she's from Los Angeles, and she will also speak for 25 minutes. Hi, my name is Cass. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. Um, I'll just qualify first. I've been coming to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous for about 11 and a half years, and I'm currently abstaining about 10 and a half years, and giving away and maintaining about 25 pounds. Um, so, um, my business, your business, and God's business. Um, I just sat there and asked how, I'm, how I should... Uh, <laughs> How I should go next? I, you know, dipped into God's business, and uh, I just got, you know, share as a direct result of these steps how it is that my relationships, you know, have been progressed through this time. So, um, you know, the way I like to equate this topic, which I love about my business, your business, and God's business, is to me, um, I need things like really simplified and. This even happens for me in my morning prayer and meditation. If I'm just going by rote and I, I'm just starting spitting things out and I'm not even connected or in my body about what I'm doing, I have to stop and reconnect. So um, I was realizing that this topic for me is really simple when I think, think about the serenity prayer. You know, and um, it all delineates whose business is what, you know, whose business is what. And you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change which are people, places, and things, um, the courage to change the things I can, which I pretty much say when I say this prayer to myself in the morning, which is my attitude and my outlook on life and my willingness to turn in instead of to empty outside promises, and uh, the wisdom to know the difference. So um, that pretty much starts to clarify it for me that uh, if it's about people, places, and things, it's either your business or God's business. If it's um, about outcomes or results of situations, that's definitely God's business. And, um, and all the rest gets clarified through, um, d- directly through the result of working these steps. They ha- that has been my experience. By working the steps, it gets clarified for me. But um, I don't know if there's uh, – are there many newcomers here today? If you don't mind showing it. Okay. Welcome. And, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting. I mean, we're here at Overeaters Anonymous thing and talking about relationships. And it's like, 
you know, where's exactly the relationship here and how does this all link up? Well, my story is from a really young age, um, I, I figured out a way to take the edge off what I found out was, was basically my anxiety, my fear and anxiety I used to live right in the pit of my stomach, which still is a signal for me today when I feel something down there. doesn't mean I'm hungry, usually. <laughs> it usually means something's going on, like there's some conflict going on. And when I felt that as a kid, I figured out a way by eating certain strange combinations of food to make that thing go away from the pit of my stomach for a period of time. And so what ended up happening is, you know, every time I got that thing, I wanted to get my thing, you know, to get rid of that. And um, it worked pretty well for a while, you know, in my little circumstances that I didn't really have a whole lot of power over. That worked well for a while. The only problem is, is as I grew up, you know, and then I did geographics, and, you know, I was on my own. I took my old circumstances with me everywhere I went, and every time I got that thing that fit in my stomach, my solution was, you know, to just check out with food. And um, what what I can sum up today just from a little bit of perspective is I got to this place where I was in this place of kind of quiet desperation about trying to look like I had it all together on the outside and on the inside feeling quite fundamentally broken and just couldn't figure something out because I kept swearing off these weird behaviors with food that I swore I was never going to do again. And I was doing them either that next morning, that evening, or a couple hours after I swore off, you know. And, and the more I applied myself, the worse it got. So it totally baffled me. But here's how it links up compulsive overeating in my relationships, is that as soon as I became invested in my outside cover, trying to make it look as it had it together for you guys, um, I lost relationship with me, um, with people around me, and with a power greater than me. Just relationships were not on the radar. You know, the most important thing was to uh, get this thing fixed throughout the day. And um, so relationships severely, severely suffered because of this disease for me. And um, so I found these rooms. Fast forward. Um, I got here. I found a structured way of eating. All of a sudden, with a structured way of eating, my life got really big because when you're only eating three times a day, there is a chunk of time in between. <laughs> to actually live life. And coming into these rooms, I heard other people tell the truth about what they were doing, and I started developing relationships in this room. Now, here's how my relationships went before. You let me know you, which is great. I always wanted to know about you, but when you got close enough to me, you get to know me about that far. You know, you, you couldn't, I couldn't let you in any closer than that because I really didn't have, like, I totally relate. I didn't have a relationship with myself. And I wasn't quite sure what I thought and felt, and I just didn't want you getting that close because, you know, God forbid you're going to see all that stuff I feel and I eat over on the inside. And so I got here, found a structured way of eating, um, and all of a sudden I started, my life started getting bigger and bigger, and then once it got big again, I got rattled, and my solution again came to, you know, when I get rattled enough, like a big book says, a day and time is going to come where, you know, I'm going to turn back to food for comfort because I don't know how to, I don't have the tools for living particularly living in relationships. So um, so I had to go through that a series of times and then realized I told somebody, and I don't know if this is working for me. And they said, well, are you working the steps? And so that's when things really started to change for me in my relationships. And um, I guess what I need to share is, you know, just not compulsive overeating is just the beginning. And when I'm not compulsively overeating, I have to then live with the disease of compulsive overeating in my head. 
And so um, once the eating is found, uh, you know, I found a way to, to, to do that where I can let, you know, I can have some sanity. Then it's, for me, that's when the disease kicks up. They say, you know, if you want to know what you're eating over, just stop eating. And it will appear. Well, that's my, that's my experience in relationships. And so here's what happened for me in looking at in relationships is, um, you know, getting through my first three steps um, and then starting to work on an inventory. And for me, as the big book talks about, I need a personality change big enough, you know, to like a big rearrangement, displacement and rearrangement because what I took is a lot of old, old broken ideas from an environment that, like, they never worked anyway, and I bring them into my current life, and I expect that when I apply these things that I'm incredibly, incredibly devoted to, they're going to work in my life today. And that's how I got here. I got here with that insanity of keep doing the same thing over and over again in relationships, expecting it to turn out different somehow. And that completely baffled me in relationships. I wanted you to know me. I just didn't know how to get there. So what happened is by working in inventory, um, in a very detailed way, I got to look at my part, and, and which is my business, and um, I got to see where specifically, as the big book lays it out, in the fourth column I got to see, you know, where am I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and, you know, where am I at fault? And a lot of that, a lot of that for me was inc incredibly revealing because I truly did not have what the steps talk about is like an accurate self-survey, like you do if you have a store and you have stuff on the shelf. You go, you go check what's on the shelf. I, I didn't know what was on my shelf. Like I seriously did. I the way I thought I was out outwardly in my life was totally different apparently than how it looked if you're looking in on me, in relationship with me. And I did all kinds of interesting things like um, I don't tell you what I want or what I need, and you didn't figure it out. And because you didn't figure it out, I'm pissed, and I want to cut you out before you even know that you're out, you know? And it's funny, but I had to repeat that about 100 different times with different people in an inventory to realize that that's what I, that's what I did, because I couldn't ask for what I want and what I need. Um, all kinds of situations over conflict. Um, when conflict comes up in relationships, the way I learn conflict, like the door slams and you don't work it out, you know, so that's where I was with conflict. So when conflict, I was either avoiding conflict at all costs or I was never getting to the other side of any kind of conflict. Um, just thing after thing where I realized how I was in the world. And I needed, this is like the taking the layer of denial off for me. I needed to see how I was out in the world. and. Um, and all I can explain that what happened from that, well, and also in that last column, you know, we worked with like, where am I at fault? Meaning not where am I, at, it means what can I do today as an adult that I don't have the capacity to do earlier in my life? And there are a lot of things that I have the capacity to do today that I did not have the capacity to do today when it first struck me a long time ago and my solution became food, like as a kid. So I realized, you know, through direction of a sponsorship, sponsor, that um, I'm not a victim to my circumstances today, but had you asked me when I came in here if I felt like I was a victim, no way. Because I was trying to be too tough. I was trying to have be tough and have it all together. But when I wrote that inventory, almost every one of those entries was all about me being a victim. Why are they doing this to me? Why is this happening? You know, and, 
And um, that's how I was living my life. It's hard to have a relationship when that's always, you know, when that is always the focus. So um, I got to see how, you know, today, in today's circumstances, I have a different set of resources, you know. Um, and so this is directly through working step one, then step two, then step three, step four. And then I get to look at my character defects. And, you know, I like to call them character defenses because I live my life defensively from a very young age. Um, and that's how I live my life, defensively, like deflecting and reacting. And when you're reacting in relationships, it's not a, it's not a relationship. You know, that's my experience. It's not a relationship. It's not a two-way deal when I'm reacting all the time in relationships. So I got to look at that, and then, you know, I, I really enjoyed hearing about um, making amends and, and how much amends have meant in my relationships. Um, it's, they've been profound for me because, as I understand it, you know, amends are about taking responsibility for my behavior, and the whole point is, like, hopefully, because it's such a darn painful experience, <laughs> I don't repeat the behavior again, you know, or at least, you know, it's, it gets, it's only gotten better, you know, as I show up and take responsibility for, for my behaviors. Um, and anyway, that whole process of step four through nine for me has been incredible because I was carrying around this sack of <laughs> crud my, for a long, long time. And what it did is it never let me be in the present. It never let me be here now. I could not look you guys in the eye. I couldn't be in my body right now. It's just I was because I was always in fear of the future or remorse about the past, and I wasn't here. And try and be in a relationship and not be here. It's really challenging. Actually, it's very. Um, it's that's where that sense of quiet. What I expressed before of this quiet desperation comes from. There's a feeling I used to have prior to being in program and early on in program where I'd come in, like, into my place at the end of a day or whatever, and I'd have this thing going on that I don't, I, like, I, I, always, I always, it's a joke now, but it's the truth. I Olympically trained and trying to look like everything's fine all the time. You know, it worked for a while, but then it became my only option, and that's where that quiet desperation comes in, where I come in, close the door, and I finally, I finally, like, try and be who I am. It's like, well, what's that, you know, when I was just doing something else out there? And um, so I, it, it's very disorienting, actually. And so what program has been for me is about really being in, getting integrated, my insides matching my outsides. And today I'm, you know, more in my body than I've ever been. I'm more integrated than I've ever been. Therefore, I'm present for a relationship. So um, it's a huge correlation for me because as soon as I decide I want to check out on food, um, my relationships go by the wayside with me, you, and God. It's just an automatic. I have no interest. I have no investment in being in, in having that if I decide to just check out and then re-enter life when I'm ready, you know. So I never get beyond where I was. So now in today, um, I'll just share about uh, – I shared a little bit about me being in my body more than I've ever been, um, being connected, feeling more integrated starts there. Um, my relationship with my higher power today is um, – it's incredible, uh, and all I can tell you is it's, it's, it's experiential, and I always believed, even from the youngest, from a really young age, that I always believed that there was a power greater than me. I didn't understand it. I had no clue how to, how to be in touch with that, um, and it is my absolute experience that by working the steps, that bridge 
was created for me to to get that relationship with a power greater than myself, and that's it. There's no, it's no it was no mystery. It was someone shared earlier today. A relationship is about showing up. I made I make a daily commitment to show up to spend time within this relationship that I have today with power that's that greater than me, and um, my choice today is I don't go without it because I know what it feels like to, to to not go without it and. And I love to share this, especially if you're new. Um, when I got here, I didn't know what you guys were saying. I didn't understand a lot of the lingo, but I left here day one with hope. I didn't know that was the word, but I knew I wanted to come back because I didn't know what you had, but I wanted what you had. And um, that hope is uh, – I, I got that in my first meeting, and it was total attraction, not promotion. And that's what brings me back here. And um, – a lot of times my connection with my higher power is through fellows or through your story or whatever it is. But um, I come here trying to see how I am similar to and one of, and, um, and that keeps me connected. So that's a commitment that I have. And then my relationships with others, um, you know, is not just I don't have to have my arm extended fully today. I'm not telling you that I still don't struggle, struggle with, you know, where I find that appropriate boundary and, and where I'm living defensively. But you know what? It says, like, you know, when I'm not compulsive or overeating, it keeps getting revealed to me. And, like, I'm a work in progress. And my relationships, you know, have improved to the point better than they've ever been. Um, I'll share a couple. How much time do I have? Nine. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. Um, I'll share specifically about some current okay some current um, relationship things uh, that are in today in my recovery today with where I am today in my step work what's being revealed to me and um, um, this one that is up for me currently is a relationship with my parents. Um, I just got a chance to spend some time with my parents. My dad just had this major surgery, and I was able to go and be of just loving loving service, which was just the most fabulous way to know that that was my intention, that was my motive, and I got there, and I was able to be of loving service. And, um, and my relationships with them have developed as I've been able to show up connected to myself. So when I come, and I know who I am, and I know, you know, what I'm doing there, um, I have I have an opportunity through a prayer that was taught to me by my sponsor, which is the set-aside prayer, that when I can set aside everything I think I know, and you can fill in the blank, but it can be about, you know, my relationships with my parents, what they, what they're, you know, what they're capable of, what I'm capable, whatever, all that crap. I can set aside everything I think I know about that so I can have an open mind and a new experience. And that's that I, when I'm willing to say that prayer and to be connected to that prayer, I get it. I get it. I get an open mind and a new experience, e- exactly equivalent to my willingness. So I showed up for that, and um, stuff dynamics for me came up with my parents that, in two completely different ways. Like my dad showed up in a way that, um, he, I mean, he was really vulnerable, but he totally we were able to like meet in a place I've never met before, you know, just because of where. Look, he's 
you know, the joke is who, who changed, right? I mean, my parents are doing their deal. I'm doing my deal. As I change, my relationships change across the board. So I had that. And then I also got to see some really old ideas I have around my mom and around really old experiences I have around my mom. And um, I guess all I really want to share in a general way about that is that I have some more work to do. And I came back from that a little disoriented, and through sponsor direction, I got to see I get to work the steps around a very specific issue that came up, and this is what it was. As I grow up here, um, my self-image needs to keep changing so that I'm still in my life today. In other words, I have some really old ideas about who I am from where I come, and the only problem was those ideas of who I am from where I come are really inaccurate. I mean, they're incredibly inaccurate. That's not who I am. But I got mirrored something that I believed was who I was, and that's not who I am. So based off really false information, it doesn't work for my life anymore. And this is what I was going to share with the newcomers. Like, when you come here and you find another way, you hear people tell the truth, you know, you don't have to keep repeating old behavior and, you know, expecting it to come out different. You're screwed in the most incredible way <laughs> because you'll go out there, as I do, trying to repeat that same old behavior, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't give me that little, doesn't do a thing for me except usually I'm really uncomfortable. I get really squirrely. I can only stand it now for maybe a couple days. If I leave something undone, whatever it is. And it turns to the point where, like, the steps start working me. And I'm st I came back rattled by something, and I got to tell another human being the truth about it. And, um, and then I get to do, take some action on it, and then I get to turn it back over to God. So my business is I get to show up, clean house, trust God, and be of loving service. Like, that's my, that's my, that's, that's my part. And then... I get to turn over results and outcomes to God. You know, I get to turn over your problems, your stuff, your whatever, back to you. You know, it's all about just finding, like, what's, what's mine to take care of. Just like I said, when you eat three times a day for me, there's this incredible amount of time in between. When these three areas, my business, your business, and God's business, starts to get clarified, it's like I have a life. I have a boundary around my little life. You have a boundary around yours. You know, we get to mix, but I don't need to take on your stuff. And that, for me, is part of this disease. has been about, you know, people pleasing and complying and not stating my wants and my needs, you know, based off fear of being rejected and ha, 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 ha. All this stuff gets, you know, got clarified through my inventory. Now, they still come up for me today, but I have a name for them. I have a person I can tell the truth to, and then I get to pray that these things get removed. And for me today, it's really about, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I come back, every time I come and where one or more of us are gathered, I get hope. Like, I get that I'm not, God willing, one day at a time, I get to keep abstaining. But what I need to take care of is the disease that's in, that lives between my head and that's my maintenance here. You know, it's a spiritual program that I get to keep dealing with. And um, a day at a time, I, just keep to get, I get to keep growing up here, you know, and, and figuring out the tools for life. Like, 
What the big book has told me totally resonates with me. This is a design for living that can be applied to any situation. Like in the earlier meetings, people were talking about other compulsions. Don't get me wrong. It's like I can be abstaining, but I know how to get busy really well. <laughs> I know how to do a lot of things really well not to feel. But as long as it's not hurtful to me today, um, I, need to, you know, I need to be in acceptance about that. And uh, I guess I'll just end with that about acceptance. Um, acceptance, I'm learning, you know, it doesn't mean you have to like it. <laughs> it's just that for, it's a part of the process of being in reality. And the other, um, the other day I woke up completely rattled when I got back from this trip. And, um, and it took me about a day, and I, went to, I got myself to a meeting, and I talked to a few fellows. And in the middle of that day, it just came to me. And what I'm sharing is just sort of the intuition that comes to me along living this path is what came to me in the middle of the day was, you know what? I'm not in acceptance about where I am right now. Like, it just came. I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't have words for it, but, like, I didn't check out over it with food. You know, then I told a human being, and then I just kept, like, staying in my day. And, and I realized I'm not in acceptance about what's going on. And doesn't mean I have to force myself right away to get into acceptance, but just realizing that, I talked to my sponsor and she said, look, are you willing just to put that aside and do the next indicated thing today? And I said, I mean, it seems so simple, right? But when you're in the middle of this stuff, and so I said, yeah, I'm willing to do that just now. And then, you know what? An hour later, my day totally changed because I just kept showing up with the next indicated thing. So it's a day of time for me, and um, anyway, I feel really grateful to be here amongst my fellows, and thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much, Cass. Okay, now we're going to have 10 minutes of questions from the Ask It Basket. Janine, if you can kind of keep track of, of that. Okay, this is for both of you. Do you have anybody in your life who just drives you insane? <laughs> and how do you bring sanity to that kind of relationship? Um. You know, I, I would have had a lot more, you know, if you asked me earlier in the program, but now I, you know, after 20 and a half years of, you know, really trying hard to work the steps, every time there's been somebody in the program, or I mean somebody in my life that's driven me insane, you know, I just, I've had to do, you know, what I've learned in the program to do, and the first thing is I know, you know, to to pray for them and, and to do that, like the big book says every day, and, um, and then to... Um, you know, and, and, and if that's not relieved and I'm still obsessing about it every morning when I wake up, you know, to talk to my sponsor about it. And then, you know, I'll have to write about it. So I know I'm going to have to do all that anyway. So, you know, I try to just, you know, do all the work real quickly so that it doesn't, you know, get to that point. But um, I don't think there's, there's anybody that really drives me crazy. There's, there's one person I really didn't talk about, I realized, in my share and I'll say that, you know, I've had to do a lot of work around my stepdaughter, and um, the main thing was is that she was 14 when I met my husband, and we got married a year later, and she was 15. He had custody of her. He had brought her up. 
he, um, she lived with him, and she was the lady of the house. And then I came in, and, you know, she's 15 years old. And um, we've been married now. Um, uh, and it's, at this point, it's a really great, long, healthy, happy 17-year marriage now. Um, and, and, and she's 32. And I had worked really hard on that relationship. My, um, uh, uh, my sponsor just told me the other day, boy, you've come a long way on that. And mainly it was that I was jealous of her. Um, I, I came in, you know, to that marriage with immature skills. I wanted to be the only one. He really loved her. I didn't want him to love another woman, you know, that way. And, um, and it, it was all irrational and immature, you know, and, because what they had was a real healthy love. But, I mean, and then, of course, she hated my guts. I mean, you know, I came into this and ruined her, you know, her, her life. <laughs> So I worked really, really hard with that, mostly just through, you know, writing about it and writing about it and just working hard and, and, and when I crossed the line, making amends. But we just had a wonderful visit. She just came in and, um, you know, we've both come a long way just working hard on this program with it. Um, I'm trying to think. I think, I think around work. Um, like client issues, some people do drive me, ins- I think I try and soften, but it can drive me insane. <laughs> and um, this is where my work has been around this issue. I think I shared, I shared a little bit about it, but it's about when I'm, cl- like the clearer I am on my side about what I need, what I want, or what I just can't tolerate, you know, I mean, what what needs to be, like, appropriate behavior, or if it's an inappropriate behavior, that's my work, you know, of finding that place, and if it's not okay, I need to say something about it. Once I've done that, um, things tend to get better. I mean, I, I don't know, I was sharing with somebody earlier that some of the people who drive me insane, it's because I've realized, like, fear looks different on different people. Like, fear on some people, they get aggressive. Like, fear on other people, they pull back. Fear on some people get really tentative, you know. And a lot of times when I'm not, when I'm not taking it personally, like I'm just learning the, the exercise of detaching, and when it's not my stuff, this is like fits perfectly into this topic, because if it's not my stuff, a person comes into my little space, and it's not my stuff, it's their stuff, they're all rattled, I need to... The first place I used to go is I check out of myself because it has issues with conflict. But when I stay based in myself and I'm still connected to God, it tends to, like, work itself out a little bit, but I need to I need to state my case. And then I've been able to – it just gives me a little bit of space to see, you know, this, this is their stuff. And then what ends up happening, if I don't get – like, if I don't get reactive on it, usually it unwinds and they just – like, the other, the other day someone just shared with me after he unwound and <laughs> took his own space – he just says, I don't trust easily. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't think he'd ever, you know, who knew that he'd come out with that? But that's what it looked like after a while. He was just scared, and yet he was like, I could take it as if he's projecting it on me. But that's my insecurity, you know. I have a hypervigilance that reads things. Uh, my, my reader is a little bit off, you know, when I think it's about me. So. Is it better to be in OA a year before having a romance relationship with someone in program. That's for both or either. 
sure about it. Um, I would I would recommend it um, just because from my thinking back on it, like I shared, until I got well into the step work, I was not really clear about what I wanted and what I needed. I mean, I thought I knew what I wanted and what I needed, but it turns out that what I, if I look back now in perspective, I want and need something else because I signed up to keep changing, you know, and if, the, <laughs> if someone else is not signed up to keep growing, I don't know how I would deal with that, but um, I, I would recommend it because um, just like I would recommend, well, my experience is before I worked the steps, I was abstaining a little bit because I had to let my head clear. My head wasn't clear when I got here. You know, I was still, I still wanted to fix things by just checking out food, so. <clears throat> I have friend troubles. I find their defects exhausting. I judge and think, think alone is simpler. I'm lonely. How do you do relationships? Sure. I have friend troubles. I find their defects exhausting. I judge and think alone is simpler. I'm lonely. How do you do relationships? Um, you know, I, I did, when I got into program and then I got healthier, I became less and less tolerant of people who weren't. And and I did have to let some of them go. I mean, I, I did realize that, you know, it's it's there are certain things I shouldn't tolerate. And I had some um, friends, and, and they, they, they were, they before program, you know, I liked these people. We were good friends, but we were both unhealthy. And, you know, we satisfied each other's unhealthy needs. And then once I got in program, I mean, I don't think I should have been tolerant of, of, of some of the, uh, some of them. And they really were too unhealthy and they weren't in program and they weren't working on their own recovery and they had no interest in not being unhealthy. So I sort of let them go little by little. And, um, uh, and, and then, you know, within program meeting certain people, you know, I mean, if, if I'm coming across people whose character defects really are you know, driving me crazy. Usually I don't become friends with them. I mean, I, I just find I'm not in that predicament, predicament too much anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, if I have a, a good relationship with a person who's basically healthy and a good person and everything, and there's some things about them that just drive me crazy, I don't know, I just, you know, just try to put up with it. I mean, or, you know, if I really love someone, I don't know. I guess these things aren't difficult anymore. It's weird. Everything used to bother me. Everything. And now... You know, I'm, I really am happy, joyous, and free now as a result of, of this program. And, and things don't bother me much anymore. And um, if it's a, a really good person that I really love and everything, and I really like the person, very little, they will bother me. And yet if I don't like someone, I meet someone, I don't like them, uh, just about everything will bother me. They can't do anything right as far as I'm concerned. And I just stay away from them, you know. I don't have to be with everybody. Everybody doesn't have to be my friend. I have to be respectful, polite to them, and nice to them, and act as if, you know, act as if when I'm around them. But I don't have to socialize with them. Um, and, and the people that I do spend a lot of time with and I socialize, you know, they, they don't drive me crazy. So I, I don't know what else to say. Unless you're talking about family, and that's different. Then <laughs> we don't always get a choice. Um, 
Um, I pretty much ditto, but I'll just share one thing my sponsor uh, shared with me. She said, you know what, people pretty much tell you who they are by their actions. So if, you know, you can't change people, places, or things, so there you go. Um, I'll give you a specific example. I have this friend that I love, and I, she, I, just, I just love her. I love her, and certain things in life changed. But anyway, things started happening where, where she um, – was always showing up late. Like, there were certain care defects that, that came up, and I just couldn't stand it. So, you know what, but I love her, and she tells me who she is, and I still love her. So now we just do everything spontaneous. We call last night and say, hey, are you available? And we do it, and it's just the best, like, it's been the best way for me to work this thing out. We do everything spontaneous, and I, and I love her company, and I don't have to be disappointed when she, you know, is always showing up late <laughs> in different places. So I think there's a way to work with it if you're willing to take the person, you know, for who they say they are. If we could thank our speakers for answering questions. Okay, now we'll have some open sharing. We'll have um, we will have time for three shares. If you already shared at another workshop, please give others a chance before you come forward. Limit your share to three minutes. Stay on topic and sign the tape release form after you share. Anybody want to share? Anybody? Come on up. I'm Charlotte Grateful Compulsive Overeater. I have been on the program for 40 years, and I'm maintaining around 100 pounds weight loss. And uh, fearless and thorough from the very start. I was very lucky when I was let in to OA that I was really at the bottom of the pit and before when I was in out there I was a know-it-all doing little not, of course, taking any advice. If someone wanted to help me with something, I knew, I knew everything. And I tried every kind of diet. I was always heavy as a child and in school went through the tortures of being tortured by my peers. I was growing up very poor. And there's one thing worse than growing up poor in a poor neighborhood is being fat and poor. And on top of that, to be fat 
poor and Jewish, that kind of added a little bit more to it. But nevertheless, I did manage to grow up, as you see, 75 years worth of it. I feel very young and very good, and I look terrific. I'm proud to wear a size 6. I bought a bargain in there too, I tell you. (laughs) And when I entered the portals of these rooms, the light was always on. The rooms, the light is always on, like Motel 6, always on. And when I came in there, the first meeting, I had lost all that know-it-all. Am I right? Oh, thank you for letting me share. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anybody else? Hi, everybody. My name is Vicki. I'm a compulsive overeater. And when I've met people today and they ask me where I'm from, I say Orange County, and they say, oh, you're from the OC. I don't, that's like a TV show, right? Um, but we do have recovery down in Orange County and lots of good meetings. And, boy, this business of relationships, that's hard business. And um, thanks to this program, I'm still married, and my husband and I will be celebrating 17 years in October and we used to fight a lot before we came, I came to this program. We still fight. It's not a lot but now, and this is really the miracle, we know why we're fighting. <laughs> and when I'm yelling at him, which I do less of, but since it's a program of honesty, I'm not going to say I never yell at him. Um, I know why I'm yelling at him. So if I know why I'm angry or upset about something, then it's a lot easier for us to discuss the real stuff instead of us constantly discussing why I'm angry. Because the anger is just a symptom. You know, there's a reason underneath all that anger. And if I get to know what it is, then we get to discuss it. And we get to get through it a lot sooner. And... um, I have a relationship with my daughter today that I never thought I'd have. She's almost 10, and boy, she is my conscience. She keeps me on my toes. She's my fashion director, Um, tells me when I've been on the phone too long. Um, Every once in a while reminds me or asks me if I've called my sponsor. (laughs) And every once in a while, too, my husband says, "Um, do you need a phone? I'm like... And I started to realize, um, do you need a phone means you need to call someone. So, um, you know, what I learned about relationships when I first got here um, was, and this was really hard for me to learn, and that is what someone else thinks of me is none of my business. And what I think about you is none of your business, meaning I don't have to tell you. And I don't anymore, unless you ask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, I learned that from my first sponsor, and 
Um, and it's something that I've continued to learn every single day. And if I follow that principle that what you think of me is none of my business, um, my life's a lot easier and there's a lot less chaos in my head. And that's kind of stretched into um, what you do and what you think and what you say is also none of my business. And why you do something is none of my business. And um, speaking of relationships and friendships, I've had a friend since I was in college, and that was a that was a really long time ago. And why she did something, I wanted to know why she did something. And my sponsor said, you know what, that's none of your business. So um, that helped our friendship too. So um, thank you for letting me share. We have time for one more. In the Thanks. I'm Stephanie from Berkeley, compulsive overeater. And uh, through this, pro I've been in the program since 83, and through this program, I was able to end a 27-year dysfunctional marriage, and I'm very grateful to the program for that. I was known as the married person in the rooms, and uh, I had a long, long relationship with my husband, and um, it ended uh, two years ago. I had been abstinent 20 years, and it launched me into a four-month relapse, and I've been abstinent by the grace of God a year and a half now. I'm so grateful I got it back. It doesn't always happen to people, you know, so I'm really lucky that way. And I'm also lucky because I have I have a lot of, I have multiple male relationships with other guys, and uh, they make me very happy, and some really happy, and some are very difficult, and I was and I just want to uh, thank the speakers because I, I got so much out of what you had to say. I'm really glad that you spoke a long time because uh, some of it, you know, kind of faded in and faded out. But there are a couple of golden nuggets in there that just I think will really stick with me. And I can tell that you both have much uh, experience in the program and in dealing with relationships. And particularly the thing that comes to mind um, that I hope I remember, but I'm getting very... Uh, senile here in my old age is um, this, the deal about the multiple forms of fear and the way they are expressed by different people. That was brilliant and I just hope I can remember that. I can, I've seen it so many times in my life and I didn't realize it until I heard it said, you know, that, oh yeah, some of, that, some of the violence uh, that I, I witnessed, anger, rage, things like that, I think the basic uh, root of it is fear and how am I going to deal with that? Am I going to accept it? To what degree do I want to be with a person that has rages like that? Um, and uh, what's the payoff for me in dealing with somebody that's so rageful and fearful of something? I don't know what. I suspect it's something from the deep past. But do I have to sit out down and figure that out? So that I go to other programs to deal with that. But um, the most important thing to me is not to compulsively overeat. And one other little thing I want to say is that uh, there's this strange phenomenon I have to work on, which is that two of the men that I go out with that are very, very loving to me, I barely have any physical intimacy with. And then uh, two of the people that I'm very physically intimate with, there's real spiritual problems with them. So i got to find a balance, you know, where I can have both or, you know, how I'm going to work that out is between me and my program and the higher power. 
most important thing being not to compulsively overeat. The, the ones that I'm spiritually compatible with, I tend to overeat when we go out to eat. It's very strange. The ones that I'm physically intimate with, uh, my body image is very important to me, and I eat like they do, and they're not overeaters. So i got to figure it out, and I don't know what the answer is, but I was really grateful for your shares. They were wonderful. It's now time to close the workshop. Again, let's thank our speakers, Kath and Terry. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the third step prayer.